When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside producers Gangster Pete and Iggy. And it is our pleasure today to continue what has kind of been a theme of the podcast, oh, maybe once every month or so, which is St. Louis Civic discussion with public officials. And uh, recently, uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's, uh, Jacob Kern of the St. Louis Business Journal reported that Better Together is going to be proposing um, essentially a merger of St. Louis City and County. And this has been met with resistance from uh, officials on both the left and the right. And it's also been met with enthusiasm from um, people on the left and the right. The core issue right now is that Better Together has not revealed the details of their plan, uh, and which is all part of the deal. They, they said that they were going to be revealing these over the course of January 2019, so it's not like this is uh, classified. It's part of uh, what was the schedule. But uh, to break it down effectively, um, you know, it's only fair if we have the details. Let's just uh, let's speak, you know, straightforward with it. So um, a couple of people over the next few weeks are guests here on the Tim McKernan show. And uh, we are in the home studios. And our guests are always sponsored by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And, uh, and we, and we start today with Megan Green. Uh, now you may have heard Megan Green on the program before. Uh, she was on about a year ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, and had a really good conversation. One of my favorite responses, she's the 15th Ward Alderwoman, but she is uh, now running for the president of the Board of Aldermen. Um, uh, Jamila Nasheed, who was a guest a few weeks ago, and Lewis Reed are her chief opponents in that race, which will uh, culminate with the vote in April. But one of my favorite pieces of feedback I received, you know, since we started doing this podcast now approaching 18 months ago, is... Um, when someone emailed me uh, that, you know what, I've seen Megan Green on television. I've heard her on the radio before on Cam Wex or something along those lines um, and totally disagree with uh, much of what she believes is right for the St. Louis area. But I enjoyed hearing her on the podcast because even though I disagree with her, I now understand better where she's coming from. And I think that's just I don't think that's anything that I'm doing. I think that's just the nature of a podcast where it's really a free-flowing conversation, and you can hear context that is often lost in sound bites or tweets. Um, and so I have here in the last, I'm sitting here uh, doing this voice track right now on Friday, January 18th, 2019. And within the last uh, four days, I have interviewed both Megan Green, who I think would uh, be uh, happy to tell you that she is a proud Democrat, and I have interviewed Bob Nation, who is the mayor of Chesterfield, uh, who I specifically asked just to get confirmation, but I knew he was Republican, but a proud conservative, and uh, to, to get their perspectives. And candidly, 
you know, whether one is on the left or the right, I think I think you'll come away from these interviews, Megan today and, and Bob coming up. Uh, the, the, you go, you know what? They're they're making some fair points, um, and that regarding the merger of St. Louis, which I think a lot of people want. I also know a lot of people just do not want it, but I think a lot of people want. I think some of the points that they're bringing to the table are relevant to be discussed and not just being cast to the side because it is perceived as being uh, to the left or perceived to be to the right. Again, as I'm pointing out, Megan is on the left, Bob is on the right. They both agree, though, that this uh, is not necessarily the way to accomplish something that they would be. It's not like they're anti-merger, but they would be. But there are some things about this that concern them. And they both, of course, acknowledge that, which I stated at the outset, which is, the details, the actual in-the-weeds details of the plan from Better Together has yet to be announced. By the time you're listening to it, it may have been announced. But when we had these conversations, uh, they were announced. But Megan uh, and I didn't just talk about the merger. It's certainly uh, one of the main portions of a conversation. We also talked about the MLS. She was one of two older women, uh, or two older men, I suppose, is the official term, even though Megan prefers to be called older woman, um, who voted against uh, the MLS uh, plan, um, I guess that was in early December, if my memory serves correctly. So it might have been late November. Either way, here within recent history and got into her reasoning for it. Um, so some conversations that are certainly relevant to what's going on in St. Louis at this moment with the MLS uh, and also with uh, the discussion of the merger. I personally, when I started this podcast 18 months ago, never really thought that this would be something that we would talk about often. And by that, I mean guests who are St. Louis or Missouri um, or U.S. politicians. Not that I'm against it. It's just it's kind of been something that the numbers have shown. People enjoy the conversations and uh, they want more of them. And so we give them to them. But it's not every week. This is not meet the press because uh, I'm going to be down in Jupiter, Florida, and we will have plenty of cardinal conversations. And I'm not talking about, so what do you think of the bullpen this year? I'm not... That's not my bag, uh, but guests and in, in long form conversations over the course of the time while I'm down at spring training. So, um, you know, it, it's like I said, it's pick and choose what you like, but people have really responded to these civic discussions regarding St. Louis, the state of St. Louis and where it's going. And certainly the MLS is an issue that's gotten a lot of attention here over the last couple of weeks. The merger gotten a lot of attention. So Megan Green is at the forefront of many discussions uh, with St. Louis's future, and as running for the president of the board of aldermen, she certainly has a number of opinions, and many of them are not uh, opinions that are shared by even her peers. As she, as I mentioned, was one of only two people to vote against uh, the MLS appro- uh, proposal that was approved a couple of months ago. So, always a straightforward conversation with Megan, and she is our guest today, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, as we gather in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly, the sponsor of our studios, online at TheHomeLoanExpert.com. If you're going to buy a home, if you are going to refinance a home, there is only one name to know, and it's Ryan Kelly. He's online at TheHomeLoanExpert.com. I can tell you this, I have family members who have said, I can't believe how easy that was. I thought that was going to be a nightmare. I did business with Ryan. And it couldn't have been any more efficient and couldn't have been any smoother. It's Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Buying a home or refinancing, make sure you're doing business with our studio sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to present to you 15th Ward Alderwoman Megan Green. 
Megan, welcome back. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So as opposed to the first time when we talked, you are now running for president of the board of aldermen. Yes. Were you thinking about doing that when we talked? I guess we talked about a year ago, give or take, maybe 10, 11 months, 12, 13. I don't know in that range. Were you thinking about it at the time? I mean, it, it was something that was on my mind. It was something that, you know, I, I started to have folks in the city talk to me about because um, I think there's just a lot of feeling that, you know, the status quo in our city just isn't working. And um, and I've been a fighter on a lot of issues. And it took me a long time to kind of figure out if this is something I wanted to do or not. And um, if I saw a path to victory and, and you know, finally, you know, after sitting down and doing some soul searching and all of that, decided that, yeah, let's go for it. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on this. Um, I asked you if you had aspirations for, you know, like a mayoral spot, something along those lines. You said, oh, God, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. Um, and I realized this isn't mayor. It's president of the Board of Aldermen. And if I'm not mistaken, you said you're too much of a... And I'm paraphrasing here, using from memory, but it's like kind of a lone wolf. Like you want to do your yeah. own thing and you don't want to yeah. be responsible for trying to have a gather a caucus, so to speak. Um, I think that's not quite exactly okay, what good. I said. Then, then, okay, good. So then so what, what would... You know, a mayor is much more administrative. Uh-huh. Um, they're making sure the trains run on time, that that type of thing. Um, the president of the board is is legislative. They're setting out a policy agenda. And and that's what I like to do is the public policy piece, the, the legislation piece. Um, and so that's why, you know, president of the board is much more attractive to me than, than being mayor, which is a lot of just administrative duties, making sure, you know, all these city departments run and and all of that. Okay. So I'm glad that I asked because I was I was I wanted to go back and listen, and then we, then we started at 10:30, and I'm like I haven't had a chance to listen, but I'm like I thought that we talked about that, but it was mayor. It yes, was not it was president mayor, of the board not of president of the board. Okay. So when you look at I, you know I had Jamila Nasheed who is also running. You uh, Lewis yes. Reed and Jamila Nasheed uh, running, uh, and and she said, and I thought this was very unique in politics mm-hmm. in 2019. I said, who, when you look around the landscape and having served in Jefferson City, uh, whether it be statewide or locally, that she really looks up to and respects? And she named a couple people. And she also said, and I really look up to and respect Megan Green. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, how how rare, even if that were the case, yeah. it's not necessarily common for somebody who's running against somebody else to say, I really right. respect it. She just said, I think I'm the better candidate, but I really respect Megan. Mm-hmm. Um so clearly that you have some respect, you know, amongst some of yeah. your peers, of course, on the board, but also people such right. as Demila Nasheed, who you're running against. And I've made it clear, you know, I I have said from day one, I I'm not running against Jamila Nasheed. Both of us, I think, are running against Lewis Reed, and you know, may the best woman win in the end. Um, but I think both of us have have different things to bring to the table, and um, and recognize that. You know, Lewis has been in his position for 12 years, and in a lot of ways, the city has not improved on things when it comes to our disparities, when it comes to our crime rates, um, when it comes to, you know, being at the top of all of these national lists for some pretty horrific reasons. And so I think it's time for some different leadership who's who's willing to look at these issues differently, um, because obviously what we're doing right now just is not working. I thought one of the best things that came from when you were in here, like I said, the first time. A lot of people uh, said, you know, I, 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 I knew because they're oftentimes sports fans. And I yeah. knew Megan. <laughs> I knew Megan as being one of the people who was out front on the Rams thing, yeah. not for it. Right. And even though I, I may not agree with her having a chance to hear her speak for however long we talked, half hour, an hour, whatever it was, 
it gave me context to her reasons for her mm-hmm. positions, and people right. respected that. Right. So regarding the platforms of your campaign for president of the Board of Aldermen, what are some of the things that you want to do differently than what has been done under Lewis Reed? I mean, I think that the place we have to start is the fact that we are known nationally right now for our problems. And I think that we need to be known nationally for our solutions. Um, When you look at St. Louis, whether it is our high crime rates, homicide rates, uh, high STD rates, infant mortality rates, economic and racial disparities, I mean, we are at the top one or two on almost every single one of these lists. And so I think to change that, we have to, A, first recognize that that those are all issues and we have to prioritize them and then choose to take a different course of action than we're taking right now. So when it comes to public safety, this is the number one issue that, that I'm running in. Um, you know, I have knocked doors in every single ward in our city right now personally, and you cannot do that without hearing over and over and over again how much people are concerned about crime. We are a city that spends almost 60% of our budget right now on public safety. And we have the third highest staff police department per capita in the entire country, which is telling me that more police isn't working. You know, our public safety strategy isn't working. And I think it's because we need to take a broader perspective to what public safety means. We're only spending uh, 0.03% of our budget on health and human services right now. And you look at other cities like Richmond, California, that have been able to cut their uh, crime rates by about 60% over a four-year period. They invested resources in social services. They started programs that... Uh, that operated independently of the police department to build relationships with folks who are at risk of uh, of committing gun crimes or being a victim of a gun crime and working to de-escalate that situation before it even happens. Mm. Those are the types of, I think, unique, proven strategies that we need to bring to St. Louis in order to uh, change our, um, our, our trajectory on our crime rates. That's one. The second thing that we need to do is is retool our development system. Now, the city is seeing $8 billion of development right now that's either in progress or is planned. That is an, an immense amount of development. We have to make sure that as we redevelop, we also have the tax base that we need to provide basic city services like pick up trash, which we were not able to do well this past summer, um, and fund our schools. And so that means that we really need to use tax incentives, um, you know, in a way to ensure that we are incentivizing development in places where it would not otherwise occur and that we're not giving these huge tax handouts to to wealthy and well-connected, you know, folks that whose projects would happen, you know, otherwise. And then the the last piece of that is we have to clean up City Hall. Um, Voters overwhelmingly approved Clean Missouri in November um, to basically enact campaign finance limits, lobbying reform. None of that applies to the local level. And Mm -hmm. in a way, we are the Wild West when it comes to, you know, ethics at, at the Board of Aldermen. So I'd like us to move toward a publicly financed campaign option so that grassroots candidates funded by uh, small dollar donations are able to be competitive in races. I want us to kick the lobbyists off the floor of the Board of Aldermen um, and limit lobbyist donations uh, to $5 or less.
Well, we had a unique situation with James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, and that is after working with him doing his spots, I got to a point where I said, I have to make the switch to you, James. And I had to make the switch to him because uh, he did something really quickly uh, for us uh, that was important to Inside STL, and it was taken care of much more efficiently than past experiences with other insurance companies. And I'm like, James, I got to switch to you. And then he's like, oh, I don't want you to do that if you're going to be in an awkward spot with your current insurance guy. And I said, I, listen, I understand and I appreciate that. In other words, it wasn't like, yeah, I'll advertise with you if you switch your business over to me. That's where he was. But he was so good and his staff was so good that I had to make the switch and it has been an absolute game changer for me and my wife, our family. And that's when it got down to it, what I thought I had to do. I had to take care of my family. And you can't leave yourself exposed in any capacity that could put your family in a bad spot, whether that be life insurance, whether that be disability insurance, or what we all know that we have to have insured. And that is, of course, home and auto insurance. James Carlton at 314-961-4800 or online at carltoninsurance.net. He makes sure that you call him during business hours. You are going to have your call answered. And how refreshing is that? Sounds very basic, but James goes above and beyond for what most companies are doing right now to make sure you know that the customer service you're going to get is better than any other place. And on top of that, he can save you money. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. You made reference to uh, wealthy people benefiting from uh, tax breaks in the city, and then that leads us to the discussion on the MLS right. franchise, um, whereas a number of people uh, were going along with it, voted for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did not, and you, you posted on your uh, Facebook page uh, your reasoning for it, and so I will uh, let people know that you made it clear that it's not that you are against an MLS franchise, you're against the manner with it, at least this moment, it's being done. So if you could elaborate on that, Megan. There's, I, you know, my concern is that we are continuing to repeat the mistakes of the past. So there's, there's two scenarios that could happen here. One, MLS is not successful. Um, We know that we're headed into a recession right now because we've had 10 years of economic growth. The MLS um, has been pretty secretive with their their books, and there's a lot of speculation that they're not on the best financial footing, that there hasn't been an MLS team that has really shown itself to be profitable as of yet. And so if the city is the owners of this stadium and then MLS is to go under, the team is to go under – we're left in the same situation we are with the Dome, with a, a vacant stadium that then we're responsible for. On the other side of it, say it's very successful and we, we you know, fill the stadium. In the proposal, it was written that there would be expansions in 10 years and in 15 years. Um, and the ownership group in the committee hearing would not commit to not coming back to the city and asking for bonds to pay for that expansion. Um just like has happened with the Scott Trade Center. And you might know that last year our credit as a city was downgraded for the third time uh, in two and a half years. And the reason they specifically cited for downgrading us was because of issuing the bonds for the Scott Trade Center, because they were not, it was for a non-essential and bonds really aren't meant to be used for things like sports stadiums. And so my concern is, you know, we're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If it, if it, 
works well, we're going to be on the hook. Right. Um, if it doesn't work well, we're going to be on the hook. And and so a proposal that I could have supported would have been um, for the city not to own the stadium. And that's what they just did in, in Minneapolis. Our, our uh, deal was almost identical to that, with the exception of who had ownership of the stadium. Uh, and I think if we can make sure that the ownership group is is the ones that are holding the uh, the bag on it at the end of the day, assuming the risk and not the city, then this is something that, that potentially could work out for the benefit of taxpayers. I'm curious your opinion on this part of the discussion, Megan. Um, I had Christina Gracia on, I guess, about a month ago. Okay. And she said that one of her issues was that when it was initially uh, put forth to you, and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about the, the board. board as a whole, yeah. that the way it was represented was that the owners would own the stadium. Yes. And then it was not what actually was Correct. put forth. Correct. What transpired there? I, I don't think we really know. Um, and, and, you know, part of the process that really concerned me is, you know, Alderwoman in Gracia is the Alderwoman for uh, where the MLS stadium would go and was negotiating with uh, the ownership group on terms around this. And then she was suddenly just cut out of the process. And then... Uh, when this resolution is introduced, it um, it took out a lot of the things that she had negotiated um, and had the ownership group commit to uh, that that would be beneficial for the city. And uh, I think that goes back to the need for for new leadership at the board. Um, we need to be more transparent in our decision making. I don't think that a big decision like an MLS stadium should only get one hearing at. Um, at the board, there should be multiple hearings on big development deals like this to ensure that we really are vetting it. We really are asking the questions and getting the information that we need to make good, informed decisions before moving forward on something. Because when we don't, is when it comes back and it, you know, it bites us right, sure. in, in the in the future. I mean, yeah, the, the thing the thing that I, I I really want to try to because you're always willing to, even if it's swimming upstream, give your opinion. Uh, even if it might be unpopular, and I would imagine you've mm-hmm. caught some flack for being one of the two people, correct, who yes. voted against it? Yes. Um, Dan McLaughlin, who, for full disclosure, I do a show with and okay. have a relationship with, <laughs> and we both grew up in, in South City, uh, spoke at the, the, the hearing, and then his speech uh, certainly was well-received by a large number of people. And, and to, again, paraphrasing, he said something along the lines of, these people are putting their money in, their own money. If you will not say yes to them, who mm-hmm. will you say mm-hmm. yes to? Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to, to that rhetorical I, question? I think that sorts? you know, philanthropy is not an uh, is not a substitute for paying taxes. And um, and what I mean by that is is when you know we we say, oh, you're doing this great thing for us. You're putting your money into it, and we're you know making it so that you don't ever have to pay property taxes on this. Um, we're, we're really allowing ourselves as a city to be um, up to the whims of, of, of billionaires in terms of our delivery of services 
to everyday people in the city. And, and I will tell you, you know, I have knocked a lot of doors running for president of the board. And what I hear from people in the city is, why are we doing this again? It seems like the only thing we chase are these huge projects, these stadiums. We already voted this down. This isn't a big priority for us. We just want our trash picked up. Mm. We want schools that we can send our kids to. Uh, we want to be able to call the police and know that it's not going to take them four hours to show up. And those are the things that people are concerned about. Right. right now. In, in fairness, though, I would imagine you would agree that it is not apples to apples with what was put on the ballot two years ago versus versus this. Not to say that that diminishes the concerns of the people with whom you've spoken. I, I, yes, um, I, I agree with that. And I think it's it's priorities. And and I think that most people in the city see us as, you know, what are really our priorities here? We seem to um, be able to muster all of this will to continually push these these silver bullet projects. Yet we're not mustering the will to really address things like crime and schools and city services that impact people uh, on a on a very daily basis. We'll let you know that I did have a beverage here <laughs> for you. you. <laughs> it was kind of sitting in this DMZ of our studio. And you probably didn't know if that was for you, for the record. The, the silver bullet thing. I'm glad you brought up, yeah. used that term. That was something you uh, you wrote about. And I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed that piece uh, in which... You talked about how so many times over the years, St. Louis has come forward with a silver bullet. In other words, mm-hmm. this is going to be the project that right. puts us back on track. Um, and I and I, I thought to myself as a lifelong St. Louis, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I've never called it the silver bullet, but I recall a number of these mm-hmm. different you things. You look at years. every iteration of Union Station and City Center and... Um, and, you know, every sports stadium we've ever done. And, and it's always, well, this is going to be the thing that puts us back on the map. And um, and I I think that we have to take a step back and, and recognize that these silver bullet projects are not what is going to put us back on the map. What is going to put us back on the map is to be able to stand here in 10 or 15 or 20 years and say, hey, we, you know, post-Ferguson, we came to terms with our issues. We looked in the mirror and we committed to do something different. And we are known nationally now, not because of our homicide rates, but because we addressed our homicide rates. You know, we're not known anymore for our racial and economic disparities because we address those. You know, we, we no longer have infant mortality rates that rival developing countries because we have invested in prenatal care and we have uh, invested in, um, in good reproductive health care. And, and so to me, these are the ways that we can be put back on the map is to say, hey, we did the difficult work of actually addressing our po- our problems and doing so in bold and innovative ways. With regard to the Board of Aldermen and the, the health, so to speak, of the Board of Aldermen, and by that I'm talking about the inner workings, mm-hmm. um, had Scott Ogilvie in, uh, I guess, about nine months ago, okay. uh, and he, well, probably wasn't nine months ago, it was more recent than that, but discussing how he had decided that he did not want to run mm-hmm. uh, again. And uh, and then, as I mentioned, uh, Alderwoman Ingracia was on and she made reference to some of the sniping that can go on 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 social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't aware of this, but now that's the, the second uh, person who has who has made reference to that. First off, how accurate would you say that mm-hmm. is? And then secondly, if you are the president of the board mm-hmm. of aldermen, uh, I would imagine part of the responsibility would be to try to bring people together. Your right. thoughts? I mean, I, I think that there needs to be more. Uh, agenda setting at the board right now. Um, 
we we caucus once uh, every two years, basically, right after there's an election. And I think that needs to happen more frequently so that we're actually building camaraderie and building relationships across the board. Um, There are some folks at the board where you can disagree with on policy all day and then go and get a beer afterwards. And, you know, and and to me, that's the way that it should be. Um, And then there there's other, you know, kind of dynamics where you're not really sure why two people on the board don't particularly like each other. Um, I'm not sometimes not sure that they know why that they (laughs) they don't like each other anymore. And um, we have to figure out how to, to work, I think, through those things for for the good of the city yeah. and know that, you know, you can disagree on policy and that doesn't make it, it personal. And I think that the president has to set the tone for that and um, has to set the tone for for professionalism, for, you know, assigning people to committees and ways to ensure that um, they are fair and that legislation moves through the board um, and isn't doing it in a way just to, you know, stop certain pieces of legislation because they don't happen to like the sponsor. Right. Now, I, and I, I would imagine that a lot of people like to hear someone say that. Some people said they were down at the Board of Aldermen for the first time for that MLS presentation <laughs> and they were just like, wow, this, this just, you know, this is, this strikes me as, you know, kind of factions and not just, not just a one versus two faction, but a variety of different mm-hmm. factions. Is that an accurate portrayal in your position, in your opinion, actually being in the trenches? How do you view it? Hey, Ryan Kelly is a great sponsor of this podcast. As a matter of fact, he's the studio sponsor of this podcast and has been since we started. He's online at the homeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly and his incredible staff with us from the very beginning. And the reason why? Well, because I know that if you are in the market to buy a home or refinance, there's only one place you want to go, and that's Ryan Kelly online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Whereas other places have shut down or had to make cuts, Ryan Kelly keeps growing. Why? Because he runs a great business where people truly do save money, and the process, whether it be of closing on a new home or refinancing, is made easier because of his staff. Ryan, good people, saving you money, Buying a home, refinancing, only one name to know and one place to go. And that's the HomeLoanExpert.com, the sponsor of our studios on The Tim McKernan Show. I mean, I, I think that the way that we have to look at it is that, you know, even though we're a body of all Democrats, um, not all Democrats are the same. There, there are pretty vast ideological differences. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think they become very evident, especially around big uh, construction projects and and these silver bullet projects because you know there's the there's the contingency that is very you know for lack of a better term you know pro business who uh, um, has the mindset that you know kind of subsidize everything and um, because all construction is good construction at the end of the day it's going to trickle down and you know support the the rest right. of the city and then there's Sort of the other faction that is saying, you know, wait a minute, we've been burned on these things a lot in the past. We're not saying no, that we don't want these projects. What we're saying is the city needs to benefit from it and um, and not be held you know, on the hook, not be liable if, if this doesn't you know, work out. And and so I see those as kind of the the bigger factions. I would say it's it's be- between maybe more traditional Democrats and progressive, you know, Democrats who are taking just different viewpoints to these types of projects. Okay. You said uh, you and Jamila Nasheed, uh, you know, are, have have similar viewpoints and that it's basically the two of you running against Lewis Reed. Mm-hmm. Just looking at sometimes you see in, in political races, whether you want to go to presidential 
And George H.W. Bush blames Ross Perot for taking away some of the votes that then led to him losing in 1992. That's one obviously macro example. Mm -hmm. But do you worry from the standpoint of the two of you might split some of the votes and then that would lead to Lewis Reed winning? Have you guys thought about Um, that? I would imagine you think about it. I don't know how much you factor it into the strategy. You know, I don't. And I think that actually both of us being in the race helps each other um, because we we have, for the most part, pretty different bases of support. And while there is some alignment on our issues, there's always there's also a, a lot of pretty big differences that I, I think uh, matter a lot at the local level. What would um, some of those be? I think, you know, one of them has to be on the kind of campaign finance and ethics reform. Um, Senator Rashid was the uh, tie-breaking vote to repeal campaign finance limits at the state level. Uh, level and just last year uh, voted against banning lobbyist gifts. Um, these are things that I'm very passionate about because I don't think that we can change City Hall uh, to work for people unless we address, you know, the the rampant, you know, ethics problems that that we have at the board right now. Um, I think the other is is the difference between being smart on crime versus tough on crime. Um, I support models that are keeping people out of the criminal justice system and are are funding social support services that um, that ensure that people never get to the point of committing a crime. Whereas, you know, well, many of us were out protesting um, related to Ferguson. Senator Nasheed was holding a press conference with then Mayor uh, Slay and Chief Dotson calling for mandatory minimum sentences for all gun crimes. That means that you have a little bit of weed on you and a gun, which is an uh, unauthorized use of a weapon, and suddenly you're up for a 10-year uh, mandatory minimum sentence. I don't think that's right. I, I think we need to be working to keep people out of the criminal justice system. Um, and then the third thing I would say is on the reproductive health choice issue. Um, St. Louis is the last uh, has the last remaining abortion clinic in the entire state. It is very uh, something I'm very passionate about is to make sure that we protect access to that clinic. Um, and over the years, she has taken many votes at the state level that has been uh, against uh, access to reproductive health. And uh, I think we need local champions who are, especially with the attacks coming down from the state and federal level, that are really going to protect choice. Regarding the topic that so many people have been gravitating toward here ever since I think around uh, late December, mm-hmm. and that is the uh, talk of Better Together's yes. proposal for um, a merger. Uh, we discussed that when you mm-hmm. were in here last yeah. year, and you explained uh, your position of being uh, all for some kind of change, but uh, skeptical, I think, would be a fair yes. way to describe an idea of of a merger. Um, Better Together has not, as we sit here right now, released details Correct. of their plan. Um, however, I am curious what you think about what you have heard so far. So I will say that I'm still in the skeptical place. Um, Better Together is funded by Rex Singfield, who is a right-wing billionaire who is also the the fellow who is trying to privatize our airport right now and has tried to repeal our earnings tax in a variety of different ways, which would essentially bankrupt the city. And what we, from the, the you know, small amount of information that we've been giving on this proposal so far, it looks like it's really a way just to get rid of the earnings tax. 
And if that happens, it will force the city into bankruptcy almost overnight. And I think if that happens, we will be looking at not only privatizing the airport, but privatizing water and trash and and any other you know public service, public asset um, that we can get our hands on. And I think that is Singfield's agenda at the end of the day. And so I'm very skeptical of any plan that is coming out that is backed by him. Um, is actually going to work for people. That's something that I'm glad you you brought it up. We discussed it a little bit on our radio show, and I said, you know, I realize for a number of people in our audience, they might not be familiar with Rex Singfeld, uh, but he is one of the people who's certainly at the forefront of Better Together, and therefore there are a number of people who might be pro-merger but may be skeptical because Rex Singfeld is the person uh, behind it. If you could... Your, you, that was one of the first mm-hmm. things you said, Rex Singfield, and that gives you some additional skepticism. Why do you have that um, cynicism toward his involvement, if you could elaborate on that for people who aren't necessarily okay. familiar? I mean, I, I think, you know, first off, it's because of him is why we have to vote every five years now to retain the earnings tax in the city. Um, he is very anti-tax in, in a lot of ways. And while that might personally benefit him as a wealthy individual, it would devastate the city. It is a third of our operating budget, and uh, it would absolutely devastate us to get rid of that. He's pushed other things uh, at the city level, a ballot initiative to eliminate the recorder of deeds office to fund body cams. On face value, that sounds great. The problem was it wasn't legal. There was, uh, even though he... You know, we could eliminate the recorder of deeds office. There actually wouldn't be that much in savings because all of those functions still have to happen regardless of whether somebody is elected or appointed. And and so using, you know, body cameras to try to get people to vote for it was pretty disingenuous in in my mind. Um, he's also been, uh, you know, continually attacked our public school system and, you know, pushing for, for vouchers and and pushing for charter schools through state uh, level legislation, and um, and I think that's very concerning as well. I'm a proponent of public schools. I used to teach in the public schools. My parents are both educators in the public school system, um, and and I think it's very important that we are protecting that. So it, it's really his track record of attacking public uh, institutions that has caused a lot of skepticism on my end. There, uh, David Hunt of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch had a detailed ar- article titled Missouri Mayors United Against St. Louis City and County Merger. Uh, and so a lot of people saw, well, of course, the mayors are against it because they're going to lose their, power. They're going to lose their jobs and their right. power. Exactly. Um, this is not something you would not be a Missouri mayor. Mm-hmm. You are against it. Um, and last year when we talked about it, you said you worried that it might really penalize some of the poorer areas in St. Louis, if you could. And that's um, from what we're hearing about this proposal, the unincorporated areas of St. Louis County would then become a part of St. Louis City. And the unincorporated areas of the county also tend to be the areas of the county that have the most needs that are the the poorest areas. And so my concern would be, you know, us taking on that additional, you know, uh, landmass as a city without the resources to really be able to provide services and take care of those areas at a better level than um, than they currently have services. And if this results in our earnings tax being taken away, then we certainly will not have the revenue necessary in order to take care of these areas. Um, I think, you know, any system that we're looking at has to 
has to first center that our fragmentation right now is very intentional. Um, it, it is, you know, the vestiges of, of restrictive deed covenants and, uh, and redlining and, and was really formed on very, you know, racist pretenses. And so if we're looking at any kind of merger, what has to happen is, is that needs to be centered and the new system that is designed has to work to eliminate those uh, the vestiges of those system and create something that works better and more equitably than what we have right now. And I think part of that means that we have to address our school districts. And one of the things that um, Better Together has not done is talk about the you know, the 27 school districts that we have in the metro area and how very unequal property taxes uh, contribute to very unequal school systems. And if we're talking about regionalism, the thing that probably changes the game the most for our region and for our kids in particular and for our future would be to uh, to look at how we can more equitably structure our school districts. All of our guests on the Tim McKernan Show presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. I have had a number of people since Mark started advertising on the show say to me via email or when I see them at, at events, you know what? I was hesitant to reach out just because I had a feeling it wasn't going to be great news. And then I did reach out. And not only is Mark an incredibly kind person, but he's so thorough. And then after talking with him, I felt better. And so if you are like I was for a number of years, well into my 30s, and feeling like, yeah, I just don't know what I'm doing with my money. I don't really know anything about it. People start talking about this or that, and I don't understand it, and I'm a little embarrassed, and that's where I was, then please, and I say it with just the utmost sincerity, go online to evergreenstl.com to find out more about Mark Hanna or just give him a call, 314-889-0503. If you want to get a clear picture of what you have and if it's appropriate for your current financial needs, it just starts off with a phone call, 314-889-0503. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. I'm uh, curious what you think of the fact that it would be a statewide ballot in November of 2020, should this wind up taking place if they get the signatures that would be necessary. Did that surprise you? Um, and are you for that or would you prefer to see it be a more localized element? I mean, I think it should be localized. I think if it's impacting the city and county, the people that should be weighing in on it are in the city and county. Um, it's not surprising that it's going to a statewide ballot. That is how uh, Rex was able to get it. So we have to vote on the earnings tax every five years was to take it to a statewide ballot. And and so in a lot of ways, I think that was a precursor, a test to see if if we do these things statewide, is the rest of the state going to vote against the the city? And um, and they did in that case. And uh, and so all of all of that makes that it concerning to me. The, the strategy, at least the thought process is put it on November 2020, mm -hmm. Missouri, barring some huge surprise, is going to be a red state. And then you can portray it as it's going to save the state tax dollars for a lot of people who will be voting right. for Donald Trump, and therefore it will win, whereas it might not be as likely to win if it were localized. Do you right. see that strategy? Yes, 
Uh, and and so, you know, I think we have to give it to, to Rex. I mean, he is a chess player and he he knows how to get his agenda done and the the pieces that need to fall into place for that to happen. It is concerning to me, though, that the people that would be most impacted by this are um, would be outvoted potentially by the rest of the state. It does give us an opportunity, though, to, I think, form better relationships with uh, elected officials in Kansas City and Springfield and Columbia um, in other, you know, quote unquote, blue areas of the state to help in in drumming up doing education and drumming up the vote against this. In general, are you uh, just when it gets down to it, you are against a merger or it's I'm for a merger but it needs to have this, this, this. How would you describe your position? I am for a merger, but it needs to preserve the earnings tax. If it doesn't preserve the earnings tax, then it has to have some kind of funding mechanism that replaces that, that is not regressive. So no more sales taxes. Um, I, you know, I think that we have to center the communities that have historically been marginalized in our region because of the fragmentation. That has to be, you know, another criteria. And it has to be something that is people led and supported by people in St. Louis city and county, not by, you know, right wing billionaires that have their own agenda and not just led by the business community. It really has to come from the people. Megan Green running for the president of the board of Alderman. Megan, it's always a pleasure to have you. And thank you so much for the time. Thank you. So there it is. Megan Green, our guest here on the Tim McKernan show presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. What are your thoughts? Talking about the merger, talking about the MLS, uh, certainly for those who want to see the MLS in St. Louis, uh, you might not like what Megan is saying, uh, but I'm curious. I'm always curious. I like to include those in the questions from the audience podcast. You can always email me, Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com and provide your feedback, uh, good or bad. It's fine with me. I like to hear it all. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Please subscribe to the podcast. It's free. And please give it positive reviews on iTunes or wherever it is that you may podcast. It's the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Without our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Without Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Without James Carlton of the Carlton Insurance Agency with State Farm and Webster Groves. And without Mike Judy of Mike Judy Presents online at MikeJudyPresents.com. And without Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit. Uh, and online 24-7 at landoff.com, we would not have a podcast. So if you like the podcast, please A, subscribe to it, and B, support the sponsors you hear of the podcast. It's the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.